0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life Story. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Honig. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on this journey with me. What Life Story is, is it's my excuse to get to talk with a lot of my friends and mentors and talk about the highs and lows of their life and what's led them into the person that they are today. If you're returning to my podcast, thank you so much for your continued support. I think you're really going to enjoy this new episode, and it's the first episode of 2022, so yay, we've almost made it an entire full year of life story. Today, we have one of my favorite supervisors that I have ever gotten to have. They're my last supervisor at Texas Tech and helped teach me a whole lot of things and get me through a very difficult last semester of both COVID and job hunting and getting into this professional world. So today, I have Marie-Louise Bridgman, Marie-Louise currently lives in Austin, Texas, and is a wife, mother, and currently is a recruitment and onboarding specialist. So I hope you enjoy the life story of Marie-Louise Bridgman. Tell me your story, your life story. Hi, Marie-Louise, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so happy we're finally able to reconnect and just catch up on life. It's been a couple of months.
1: Yeah, me too. And it has been a wild couple of months since we talked last.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, now you're a mom to a very beautiful baby girl.
1: I am. Jolie is her name. She is going to be five months um, in like two weeks, I think. Wow. Um, and so it life has been crazy getting used to taking care of like a little human and being a wife and yeah, all the things.
0: Yeah. I mean, all that and then COVID and whatnot. So um, I give you a lot of credit because there are a lot of new parents right now that I know are trying to tackle through not only newborn child, but the world as it is right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that like nobody really prepares you for, like no. taking your five month old to get a COVID test um, mm-hmm. is not, not what they teach you in the parenting classes. And so it's mm-hmm. been uh, definitely a journey, not just being kind of a new mom, but being a new mom in the midst of a pandemic.
0: hmm. My um uh, my cousin had a kid right before COVID, so he's now like two and a half, and he calls Q-tips nose swabs. That's how he knows oh. them as because he has to do so many COVID tests all the time.
1: Oh man, that's so rough.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I kind of mentioned in my intro, but you and I got to meet at Texas Tech. Um, and you came in at just the time I needed somebody because we were very much down some people during that year and you were just the perfect person to come in, had had some experience in housing and just was a mentor I really needed at that time to grow, get ready for job related things. And so I really thank you for all of the advice you gave and continue to give.
1: Yeah, definitely happy to to do that. Um, I think you just as much as maybe you needed me, I needed you in a way as well. And I think that was that year was wild because yep. um, that was the the I came to Texas Tech in November of 2019 uh-huh. and then tech closed in March of 2020 because of COVID and all of the craziness of the world that happened at that point point. and so I think that we were we were a good team mm-hmm.
0: and we were having enough crazy adventures before COVID it <laughs> became the... That is true. Like is quite true. honestly for people that are listening Marie-Louise, you were one of the few people I saw on a daily basis from March to May, just because we didn't know what was going on. People were like, don't hang around with a lot of people. And it was like, you and I share the same office space. So we didn't have that option. But it was just so nice to have someone to be like, oh, my gosh, there's another living being here.
1: Yeah, it's such a weird. um, So I don't know. It's weird the way that we experienced it because we were like quarantining together, but in separate apartments. Yeah. the The buildings that, that we lived in were connected by a big lobby, and so I had my apartment on one side of the building, Tyler had his apartment on another, um, and so we had our own spaces, but had this common space at a time when everybody was locked down, not able to see family, friends, um, and just a whole bunch of craziness that we, I think in the grand scheme of things, were really lucky to be able to have each other mm-hmm. and to be able to have... That outlet. I mean, I was quarantining with my husband, but we were living in like a couple hundred square feet. And so it was, you know, I love my husband very much, but, you know, living together in like two or 300 square feet for an extended period of time, um, it was nice to have somebody who's not my husband to be able to talk to you on a daily basis.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so let's kind of get into your life story a bit. So tell me about what life was growing up in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana.
1: Yeah. So I always say that it's, I'm from like the Lafayette area because people have no idea where I'm from. Um, So I'm from a very small town called St. Martinville, Louisiana. So um, South Louisiana, Cajun, like on the bayou sort of thing. Um, Our town was like maybe 6,000 people growing up. Um, But I went to high school at a Catholic school in the town over, which was Um, a little bit bigger, but still small town, Louisiana. Sure. And I went to, I went to elementary school with the same people that I graduated with. Um, so graduated in a class of like 110, but most of my classmates I had known since we were five. Um, and so that's a long time to
0: know people in the same group of people.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we definitely like, I mean, like everybody grow and change, but those people, you know, Knew you from when you were five years old, and yeah. so there's some of that that stays with you, um, you know, even as adults and looking back at people that I knew from like high school and elementary. In my mind, sometimes they're still that age. Yep. Um, just because I don't live there anymore and my family doesn't live there anymore, um, but but yeah, definitely small town, rural South Louisiana.
0: Sure. Um, and then you were the second oldest of four.
1: Yeah. So I have an older brother um, who is about two years older than me. Then there's me. So Mm -hmm. my older brother, Eugene, Mm -hmm. um, and then me. And then my sister is about 18 months younger than me. Her name is Anne Marie. um, And Yes, our parents named us Marie-Louise and Anne-Marie. Is
0: there a reason? Like, are you named after a family member or?
1: No. Okay. No, they just really like the names. Um, I mean, so Mar- for me, Marie-Louise is very French. And so mm-hmm. where we grew up is, you know, Cajun um, is French. And so um, it was just a, a Cajun name. My mom's middle name is marie Um and so I, I think they just liked the name and they sure. liked both names. And so I came first and they picked Marie Louise. And then my sister came right after. And they're like, well, might as well use the other name that we like. Um Funny thing is I don't have a middle name. So I, my first name is Marie Louise. But my sister, uh her first name is Anne Marie and has a middle name.
0: Interesting. Um, so-
1: Yeah, just like a weird little, I don't, I have no idea what that's about. Mm. Um, I think it was just like random. My parents (laughs) liked how things flowed um, the way they were. So, yeah. And then I have a young, my youngest brother, his name is Ian, um, and he's five years younger than me.
0: Okay, nice. So were you all very close growing up? Because like you are relatively around the same age, give or take a couple of years for all of you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we were definitely close probably until, I mean, not probably, definitely until I left for college. Um, So we all went to the same elementary school, Mm -hmm. the same, um, like, middle school. And then high school, just because of our ages, um, I was only in high school at the same time that my sister was. um, Because my little brother was still in elementary. But our, so our elementary and middle school were kind of mixed. So the Catholic high school is where I went to fourth through 12th grade um yeah so it was all on on one campus and then my like primary school pre-k to third grade was was separate um so we were always kind of on the same campus Mm -hmm. but had our own, for the most part, had our own activities that we were a part of. Um me and my sister did played soccer together all the yeah. way through all the way through high school and like rec league and summer league and things like that. Um so yeah, I think we were we were pretty close. And we also lived half an hour from where we went to school. So once we oh, left wow. home in the morning, yeah, once we left home in the morning, like there was no running home to go and change before practice or something Mm -hmm. that we were, we were in town for the day. And so that led to lots of kind of late nights, depending on who had the last practice of the day. And um, so we were always kind of like on the road. My mom drove one of those um, big, like big vans that had um, a seat, the back seat turned into like a bed. Oh, um, that's in the cool. Back. Yeah, one of those, like, big high-top bands that has, like, a TV in it. Um, and so we, we like, grew up in that thing, basically.
0: So you were saying that your high school was 4th through 12th. Was it the same building, or was it more of, like, separate buildings on the same campus?
1: Yeah, so it was separate buildings okay. on the same campus, kind of connected by a main hallway. Uh, not hallway, but, like, outdoor walkway sure so fourth through sixth grade was like on one far wing and then actually for me seventh through twelfth were all in the same hallways okay um so I didn't really have like a middle school type experience um I kind of was in middle school with like high schoolers which was like it was fun and cool but also like I don't know I thought I was cooler than I like really was because like in 7th grade you think you're like cool being with the high school kids but then like as seniors they were like eh, you know uh, um to 7th graders right but um but at some point me Eugene and Anne Marie were all in the same hallways at the same time mm-hmm. um but I we never ran with the kind of the same group of people we all had our own you know different friends and, and ran in different circles
0: um, You say about being like cool in seventh grade. My cousin Aiden is in sixth grade now. But last summer, we were playing around with the soccer ball. And he asked me, were you cool like in middle school? And it just kind of like stopped me. And it's like, what do I say? And I kind of told him like, Everyone's kind of cool in their own way in middle school because I was going it like sent me back to all of those memories. And I'm like, I was totally I would not have said I was cool in middle school, but I'm not going to let you know that. <laughs>
1: right. Right. But like, are, really, nobody's cool and everybody's cool all at the same yeah, time.
0: Everyone's going through that super awkward period. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: So you had mentioned that you did soccer um, from fourth grade through high school. What was that kind of like? Why did you really want to get into soccer?
1: So as kids, I mean, we were, well, I even started soccer before that. I think as soon as they made cleats big enough for my feet, I was, I was playing soccer. So I think my earliest memory is like three or four. So
0: you bypassed I- t-ball and went straight to soccer.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we were not. We're not a baseball or softball, t-ball family. Mm -hmm. Um, They tried that with my older brother and he literally would sit in the field, in the outfield and like pick the grass. And so my mom was (laughs) like, we're done with that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're done with that. And so as a as a kid, I did soccer and um, I was in dance. Um, But yeah, from from a really early age. And it was also something that like all of us did. Sort of together. So, like, on Saturdays, my mom would just load us up and we'd all have, you know, games on Saturdays Mm -hmm. on different fields and all on different teams. But, um, you know, she didn't have to go to soccer here and then t-ball there and then football there you know so I think it was one way for my my mom and my dad to just like have all the kids in one spot on a Saturday um but yeah that's we started out kind of playing soccer and and it stuck and um I played through all the way through college even and so okay yeah um, so yeah played a lot of years spent a lot of time on soccer fields yeah do you miss it at all it's complicated. So yes and no. Um, so I, and I'm like fast forwarding a little bit here, but whenever I went to college, I ended up getting injured mm-hmm. um, and had two knee surgeries. And then kind of from there, my knees were just like, never the same. And then after, um, you know, after those surgeries, I played in a, a an adult league. Um, once I moved to Austin and had tore my, knee again and so had a third surgery and so um I have lots of injuries and kind of things over the course of like I played soccer for like 24 years or 23 years of my life before like a doctor literally told me like you have to stop um and so there's there's parts of me that miss playing like I loved being on a team I loved the game um but my body took a beating sure um, I mean everything from like my ankles and my toes to my knees and like I have a um a sun spot on my eye like on my eyeball because I played outside for such a long time but mm-hmm. like who knew that was even a thing like I went to the eye doctor and she was like you played soccer didn't you and I was like how do you know that what exactly um,
0: does a sun spot do I guess I've never heard of it
1: yeah. Like it doesn't, it does nothing okay. but it's just like this, like a a raised dot basically on my eyeball that oh. the doctor was like, it's never going to go away. It's sun damage to your eyes. Um, just because of playing outdoors in hmm. South Louisiana for so many years that like the sun just damaged my eyes and my eye doctor knew straight away that I played soccer. So like there are little things like that, that over time my body has just taken a beating. Um, And so, yes, I missed I missed parts of it for sure. But there's other parts that, you know, maybe if I could go back, would do not, maybe not 23 years of soccer, but maybe (laughs) stopping at like, you know, 19. Sure. Um, So, yeah.
0: Do you think if Jolie wants to start playing soccer at some point, do you think you'd maybe coach?
1: Oh, for sure! Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I've already, t- I already talked to Steve, my husband, um, that he, you know, he wants to coach all the things, and I was like, soccer is my domain. <laughs> like, you can be the team dad, you can bring the orange slices and the Capri Sun, yep. but like, coaching is my thing. You can be my assistant coach, but I'm the boss on the soccer field. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's like a dream that I have for. Her future if she wants to play soccer. Yeah. I don't wanna I'm not gonna force it on her, but we're definitely definitely gonna try.
0: I can so see Steve, whatever Jolie wants to be in that supportive dad with the sign and that I just yeah. I miss Steve. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah, he really is,
0: he's a good guy. Um so kind of since we're on that middle school, high school this time, um, your main groups you kind of told me about were your youth group and then you also got to be volleyball manager. Can you kind of talk about those
1: two experiences? yeah, so I'll start with volleyball manager that so I got injured my in my eighth grade year. um and so ended up hurting my wrist, or whatever, had to sit out um of volleyball. So by the time freshman volleyball tryouts came along, I just was too far behind yeah. to yeah. to be able to kind of catch up to where everybody else was at. um and so, I still wanted to be around the sport. And so I talked to the coach um, and became the manager. And so I got all of the perks of travel and getting out of class to go to tournaments and all the like fun parts of being on the team mm-hmm. um, without having to go to practices. So um, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, Cause I love the sport of volleyball and I loved watching it and I did, I took stats and, mm-hmm. um, And so I got to be kind of a really important part of the team, but also, um, yeah, not kind of the daily grind of it, Mm -hmm. but, um, and the team was really good, so I think that's always helpful whenever you're on a team that's, like, really good. Um, We would go to the state semifinals, like, every year, Um, and so that was always a really fun weekend to, like, um, go to New Orleans and stay in a hotel with the team Mm -hmm. and, you know, do all that, Um, and so... Yeah, it, I had a really, really good time. Um, and a lot of my like good friends are, were on the team. And then some of them were also my like soccer teammates. And so Mm -hmm. we rolled right from volleyball to our soccer season,
0: sure, um, which
1: was kind of nice that they didn't, they never conflicted. Um, yeah and then youth group was a really big part of of who I was kind of growing up um so we went to I'm Catholic and so I went to a Catholic church um in town that had a life teen. I don't know if you're familiar with life teen it, it, um it's a a youth group I don't want to say like brand but like sort of sure uh, that like there was yeah like there was like a loose kind of curriculum for life teen and so on Sundays after church you would go to life teen which was like youth group essentially and so they they kind of teach the lesson but it would be like through skits and small groups and mm-hmm. um, i know what you're
0: talking about
1: yeah yeah and so um it was also like really charismatic and so like at the our church the band um you know a lot of catholic churches you think of like the organ and a choir um but this had like drums and an electric guitar and a keyboard mm-hmm. and like um so the music was really great and Um, and so a lot of my really good friendships came from, from youth group. And, um, so I started that as a freshman in high school and kind of stuck with that, um, through, through my senior year. And so a lot of the, So there were, um, three high schools in my town, my town. Um, and so I went to the private Catholic high school and then there Mm -hmm. were two public schools. Um, and so most of my friends from youth group actually went to the public schools. Um, yeah. So got to kind of meet people and be friends with people that were outside of, of people that I knew from school and had Mm -hmm. grown up with. So I think that was I think that was a really big part of kind of developing who I am and kind of from life scene, got a very diverse kind of group of friends um, from there just because they grew up different than I did. Didn't Mm -hmm. go to the same elementary school and high school. And so, um, and it was great to like kind of be able to have friends that you don't see on a daily basis. So it keeps it like fresh out of the same 110
0: people you see every day
1: yeah yeah so like i would always look forward to to going to youth group on sundays because i got to see these people that i didn't see since last week you know so um yeah well that's cool
0: i don't know if i ever had told you but volleyball is actually my favorite sport to watch
1: oh i didn't know that
0: yeah our high school was very good and i knew a lot of the people on the team but yeah i love a good volleyball game
1: yeah same
0: um so during high school as well that's when you picked up your first job as your aunt's bakery.
1: Yeah. So my aunt's ran a high-end wedding cake business. Um and so they did like these super extravagant like between 5 and 8 layered kind of like not layered tiered cakes like Dang. they were massive. Yeah, they were huge and so um in the summers and weekends and stuff I would work with them and so I started out Um, washing dishes, and then kind of got, you know, the longer I was there, started making some of the icing, baking cakes, and then um, we do, like, minor things and helping them kind of design it and put it together. Um, They definitely did the bulk of, like, the designing, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, that was kind of my first job, and I did that every summer all the way through college. Okay, Um, yeah. Yeah, so got ate lots of really good cake, (laughs) um, and yeah, and I would, like, make the fillings and do all sorts of kind of like odds and ends type thing and so um I consider myself a pretty decent baker um and I'm like they're starting my answer now starting to kind of give over those family recipes and so I'm um, happily kind of adding those to my recipe collection um but yeah they kind of something cool I know I had mentioned it to you and it's kind of my fun fact about myself mm-hmm. is that I worked on a cake with them. Um, they went on to a TV baking competition. And so I helped them um, design a cake for that TV baking competition and they won the $10,000 prize. That's um, cool. So, yeah. So I worked on a, of my fun fact is I worked on a cake that won $10,000 on a TV baking competition. Um, and so it was a, have- a pretty
0: well-known TV show, wasn't it? Like it's food network.
1: It was on TLC
0: TLC. I mean, yeah. yeah,
1: TLC, but still like a, a pretty, yeah. Like a, a well-known. Um, so it was called the ultimate cake off.
0: I think um, I remember my mom watching that show at some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They had, I think two seasons. They competed on the second season as well, but I didn't, I think I was in college at that time. And so <laughs> wasn't helping, um, with that one, but yeah, they, um,
0: Did you get to be on TV with them or did your aunt just go?
1: So my aunt went with, um, so it's two of my aunts that own the business and okay. then they had to have basically adults that were there kind of being their helpers. Sure. And so um, they had two other women that did cakes with them. So they were the ones that were actually on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did the all of the practice and the design and help kind of like figure out what they wanted to do. Cause kind of like the the way that it worked was that they gave them the theme ahead of time. I don't know if I'm like, giving away secrets to the show or not, but you know, it's fine. I wasn't under contract. Um, so they would give them the the design ahead of time. So mm-hmm. they were able to practice and kind of plan out what they're going to do. And so then during the competition, they actually like did, did it all during the competition, but um, I was there to kind of help them prepare ahead of time. And that's cool. And get ready. Did you
0: so, get some so. of that $10,000.
1: I did a little bit. They gave us a nice <laughs> little bonus. Me and my sister um, gave us a, a little bit of a bonus out of that money to for helping along.
0: So. Nice. A little bit of money to go to college.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's neat. Yeah. I don't know anybody else that's ever been like on a competition show, whether baking or not. So that's cool. You got to be a part of that experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely interesting to hear and see kind of how it all played out.
0: Um, do you have any fun holiday memories from when you were growing up with your family or any particular like thing your family would always do that became a tradition?
1: So we would always. So for Christmas, Christmas is my like favorite holiday. It still is. Mm-hmm. We would always go to Midnight Mass. OK. Um, and so we would open up gifts set from my parents like right before midnight mass and then go to midnight mass and every time like without fail we would fall asleep like I mean it was midnight Mm -hmm. um but and then woke up um on Christmas morning and before we could open any gifts everybody had to be awake and we all had to go into my parents bedroom and so then my parents would like slowly take their time getting ready Uh and like you're we're all like itching and like ready to to like bust through the door to go open our presents but they would just like slowly take their time and um you know and then when we'd finally open the door you know we'd run and rip open our presents uh-huh. um so that was always like a really happy memory um and then for easter we did we always used to bake these cookies they're called resurrection cookies or divinity okay. cookies. um but there was a story that goes with it that like as a as you're baking them, there's a Bible verse that goes with kind of like each part of it. And Mm -hmm. so um, when you have to like add salt, you like would taste a little bit of the salt. And it reminds you kind of of the tears that Jesus wept Mm. as he was, you know, um, being crucified. And there were just different pieces of it, but then you'd put it in the oven um, overnight and then you'd put tape on it like the rock was in front of the the tomb and then when we wake up on Easter morning the tape was gone and you'd take a bite of the cookie and the cookie is hollow Mm -hmm. um just like the tomb was hollow with Jesus and so um wow yeah it's something yeah it's something we still do as as adults like it's it's one of my favorite traditions and we still have like the original piece of printer paper—it's all full of you know sugar from all the years. We put it in a sleeve protector now. Yeah, so it's not gross, but um, <laughs> doesn't it's disintegrate
0: just what on else. touch now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the paper itself is pretty rough, but we we try to to protect it as much as possible. And something that I I want to continue, kind of like with with Sholi and my own little family.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever heard of those kind of cookies before. But that's so neat to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I don't know, I, I've never heard of anybody else doing yeah. it either, but um, it just kind of really works really nicely with kind of the the Easter story. Yeah, um, so yeah.
0: Um, so as we're kind of transitioning out of high school and going on into college, um, I know you had told me that you really weren't looking at any state schools, so how did you start to kind of develop where you wanted to go to college?
1: Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to go out of state for college. Um, that, which wasn't typical kind of where I'm from. A lot of um, people where I'm from st- tend to stay closer to home. And so um, Lafayette has the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, which is okay, uh, one cool. of the major systems in Louisiana. Um, so it has a university kind of right there. Um, and then LSU is about an hour from where I grew up. And so people tend to you know, go to either UL or to go to to LSU and mm-hmm. I just knew that wasn't for me. Um I had actually gone my junior year of the summer After my junior or before my, I don't really know, but one year, one summer, um, I went to Notre Dame, the university of Notre Dame, um, in Indiana for a summer camp and just fell in love with South Bend. I love the weather. I love the people. The school is beautiful. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to Notre Dame, um, and ended up I applied to Notre Dame but didn't get in mm-hmm. um, but right across the street they have Notre Dame has two sister schools okay. so there's St. Mary's College which is an all-women's school and then Holy Cross College mm-hmm. um, which is co-ed and if anybody's ever seen the movie Rudy that it's the school that Rudy went to but I always kind of like say it's very different than the movie Rudy mm-hmm. it's a four-year it's co-ed um and so I looked at both of those schools and got a really great scholarship to St. Mary's, which is the all-girls school. Mm-hmm. And so on paper, I was like, going to St. Mary's, great, sign me up. And so I went for a visit weekend and just, it was not my thing. Mm-hmm. The whole all-girls school feeling was just not for me. And sure. I kind of walked the campus and felt like, it's just not, this isn't it. Um, and then went. Across the street to Holy Cross, and I don't know why this left such an imprint on me, but it it did. That like whenever I walked into the admissions office, there was like a sign at the door that said like "Welcome, Marie Louise," and like for oh. whatever reason, I just thought that was the the best thing, right? And then I was walking down the hall on a tour, and the vice president of the college stopped me in the hallway and was like, "Hey, you're that girl from Louisiana," and I was like, "How do you know?" Wow. Who I am? Yeah, and so it, just like from then, I I fell in love. I love the the small school feel. I love the people, Um, and so... I met with the soccer coach on my tour, um, and so it just so happened that the soccer coach was the vice president's husband, so that's how she knew who I was, um, but it was still cool in the moment, um, and so I was offered a soccer scholarship, and so nice. I decided to move after college, um, left Louisiana, and went up to northern Indiana, so there was a big difference. That- Uh Uh-huh, difference in culture, in temperatures, like, yes, very different. Had you
0: owned a winter coat before? Did you have to buy (laughs) one to go there?
1: No, absolutely not. I don't even know that I even got a real winter coat (laughs) until I was, like, actually free. Because they don't even sell winter coats like that in Louisiana. That's true. So even if I wanted a winter coat or, like, to bring one, like, I couldn't have bought it in Louisiana Mm -hmm. because they just literally don't make them like that. Um, And so... Yeah, I remember the first time I even saw snow. Like, I hadn't even seen snow until I went to college. It was, like, October. Yeah, it was October. And it was just, like, little flurries. But we were in the dining hall eating, and I saw it flurrying. And I literally, like, ran outside, left everything where it was, ran outside, and just, like, stuck my tongue out, like, for these (laughs) little flurries. And everybody was just, like, looking at me, like, what is this chick doing? Um, But... I was living life. I was loving it. That's
0: cool. Yeah. A lot of kids, when I was at Iowa State, we'd always know when it came to the first snowfall that our bookstore was going to sell out of coats because everybody was going to go out and buy them that didn't think to buy a coat.
1: Yeah. Well, and so Holy Cross, too, was super small. So sure. it was about 500 undergrads, um, which is super tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most people were were local. So like yeah. there really wasn't a ton of people that were from like out of state. Um, I mean, and there was definitely nobody from like Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it was definitely like a, a culture shock to me and temperature shock, really. Mm-hmm.
0: And you mentioned St. Mary's. Someone I interviewed a couple episodes ago actually did their undergrad there, so I didn't realize they were so close.
1: Really? Oh yeah, like walking distance. Type That's thing. cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So you did your major in communications and then a minor in marketing and global perspectives. What kind of led you to wanting to do those as minors and majors?
1: So I just kind of like happened into them. Okay. So I, yeah, like I went to college not having any clue what I wanted to do. I was like, I'll figure it out along the way. Um, and I was like a freshman. You kind of just take those general classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was taking some communications class and just liked it. And we're like, okay, this is cool. We'll do this without any idea what I wanted to do. Um, And then the spring semester of my freshman year, I got a job um, working in admissions at Holy Cross and um, just really fell in love. I mean, like I did the whole tour guide thing Mm -hmm. and all, you know, all the admissions (laughs) things. Um, And so Ended up talking to the dean of admissions, who was saying like you can make this a career, and that was the first time that I ever heard of higher education as a career. A light bulb moment. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and and that you could like get a master's degree in mm-hmm. it, and so that kind of led me started me on the path of um of higher ed, and then for my minors, one global perspectives. I just really enjoyed kind of learning about different cultures in the world and a lot of the classes that I was taking in communications kind of crossed with global perspectives and so um it was just kind of an easy an easy thing to add on but then marketing was kind of an accident okay um okay. i was i was um filling out like my form to graduate and I was like oh this is a new minor let me see what like the requirements are and I had all of the requirements and so then just like checked the box and so I had a a marketing minor (laughs) like
0: you love when that stuff works out
1: yeah like it had I really didn't try for it it just so happened that my classes like lined up and so I checked the box and now I'm a marketing minor um yeah so that just kind of fell into place that's cool
0: what um are some of your favorite memories as a student ambassador with admissions
1: oh the like truly the people like the office was just they were my people um we just had such a good time so my college roommates i lived with um two girls for two years in college, um, Megan and Sarah and they're still some of like my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so we call ourselves two twelve because that was our our dorm room. Um and so we lived in South Hall room two twelve mm-hmm. for two years and we met being um student ambassadors and, you know, and Megan also was on the soccer team. Okay. And so we had kind of that connection there. Um but then just the the people, the admissions counselors were um Adam, Casey, Rick, are um, just guys that, like, I could sit in their office and we can just, like, talk and laugh and be goofy. But whenever I, like, needed something or somebody, like, they were also there. I remember after um, I tore my ACL in college and I had surgery. And it was during spring break, so I was, like, the only one on campus during yeah. spring break. Um, Adam came over to my apartment and brought... Um, brought movies, because he knew, like, I Aww. really couldn't do anything else, so he just brought me, like, a stack of DVDs back in the day when, like, we had a DVD player, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was like, if you need anything, let me know, um, and so it was there, because I didn't really have family around, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, they became family, and then Miss Sherry was the um, administrative assistant in the office, was just, like, was like a grandma to me, mm-hmm. just, the absolute best I mean she um read at my wedding and so they you know and some of the admissions counselors came down from Indiana to you know Louisiana when I got married and so just relationships that I like really really valued um and just like good people just really good people
0: yeah that's amazing that like they came down to your wedding that really shows not only the impact they had on you but that you had on them
1: yeah yeah and we and we definitely keep in touch it's one of those that we I do my best to, to keep in touch. Even now it's, you know, mostly over Facebook likes and Instagram yeah. posts and things like that. But um, you know, I we try and make it up to Indiana about once a year. Um, you know, and always make it a point to to go. Miss Sherry retired, so she doesn't mm-hmm. work there anymore. But um, you know, I always kind of keep in touch with her and her husband and um, you know, and the admissions guys. So um, yeah, it was, and it was really important for me that they, they came to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super special.
0: That's cool. Oh, and you had mentioned you had your ACL surgery. Um, but that didn't stop you from being captain of the soccer team your senior years. So that's really awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I tore my ACL off season of my, of my sophomore year. So it was like in, um, March, um, I had surgery in March mm-hmm. of my sophomore year and so completely set out my junior year and just rehabbed my knee as best as I could mm-hmm. um, and so set a goal to to be captain and, um, and then my senior year we voted and, and I was named one of the captains super challenging, way more difficult than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's more like being captain was more than just like being the person that went and did the coin toss. Right. Like that's yeah. all a lot of people ever see of captains is, is that, but it was a lot more um, personality management than I expected and keeping, um, you know, helping make sure everybody showed up and showed up on time and in uniform and as best as possible, do some like team bonding. And when you get, you know, 15, 20 girls together, there's bound to be personality differences. Um, And we had some, some strong personalities on the team. And so part of my job was just to like, make sure that we can get along when we're, we're on the field and and as a team and, you know, what happens off the field and away from the team is their own personal business. Mm -hmm. But Um, Kind of managing those personalities was a lot harder than I expected.
0: I'm sure everybody some days wants to be the star of the team.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some people wanted to do that every day. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also while you were at undergrad, that's where you met your now husband, Steve. And I really thought, I know you've told me the story before, but reading it over again, I really think it's sweet how you two met.
1: Yeah. So I was working orientation um, during that spring of my freshman year, um, and he had transferred in. And so I remember, like, signing him in to orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was dating somebody at the time, so it wasn't anything like, ooh, cute guy sort of thing. It was just (laughs) a memory of of him. I mean it was again small school and so mm. people you just remember things. Um and so we had a lot of classes together. So he was a business major, but a lot of the business and communications classes kind of overlapped and so we took lots of classes together. Um he was dating somebody else that went to school with us at the time and I was in a long distance relationship um with somebody back in Louisiana and our our paths just like didn't really cross we didn't run in the same circle but like of course like knew each other because small school yeah um and then my summer before my senior year my boyfriend at the time and I had broken up and then he and his girlfriend had also broken up sometime in my senior year um and I started hanging out with some of the hockey guys um because they were just a fun a fun group Mm -hmm. of people Um, and so he was a hockey player and so he just kind of came a little bit more into my circle of friends. And then, um, you know, we were out at a bar one night and just kind of hit it off. And, um, he and I started dating like three days before I moved away to college or to, to grad school. So three days before I graduated and moved back home to Louisiana to go to LSU for grad school. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, we've known knew each other for a really long time, but just didn't really cross paths um, romantically until you know three ish years after yeah. we kind of initially met. Yeah,
0: and then kind of started it off right towards that end of you heading out.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, I was just I had apparently had a thing for long distance relationships (laughs) because I did one for four years and then I was like yeah let's graduate college move away and see how this works yeah um and so yeah so we started dating and kind of did the long distance thing for my first semester of grad school um and then seven months after we started dating he proposed um yeah so it's yes it was super fast but also like we had been both been in challenging relationships that really taught us about who, what we weren't looking for Mm -hmm. and kind of what we, we wanted in, um, a partner. And we kind of, we just knew pretty quickly. Um, and so we, he proposed on Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. um, my first year of grad school, and then he moved to Louisiana that January. So like the next month, um, And we've been together ever since.
0: That's another reason why you can like Christmas as your favorite holiday.
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was a, it was a really good surprise. So I wasn't even expecting him to come into town. We thought, you know, for that Christmas, we would just spend it with our own families. But um, I had a friend who was still living in Indiana at the time and her, she's actually from Louisiana Okay. and she was coming back down to see her family. And so I knew she was coming into town, whatever we had been communicating as she's driving all this stuff. Um, and then she, we like met up when she got into town and like Steve popped out the back seat. Um, and so I had no idea he was coming into town, um, and let alone like coming into town to propose. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
0: That's cool. So a little before Steve had proposed and stuff, you... We're moving down to Louisiana again. Um, so when you were going for undergrad, you were very big about not staying in state. Did What kind of changed in your mind that was like, I can do grad school now in Louisiana?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, after kind of four years of being in Indiana, um, which were great and I would not change them for the world, I just realized that I was missing a lot of family and life events and, um, at the time, I'm like trying to remember. Um, yes, my nephew, I my um, brother was having a son, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to be around for my nephew. And so when I was kind of thinking about um, what I was looking for in terms of grad school, like I literally only applied to LSU. I didn't have a backup. I just it. That just was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so luckily I got in um, and got a graduate assistantship, but really just wanted to to be closer to to family and to be able to be there and mm-hmm. be around my siblings and, and be around my nephew.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that coming back and wanting to be closer to family. So that's really awesome you got to do that. Um, any particular memories from grad school that really stick out to you?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know that I have any like particular memories I think like that is when Steve and I kind of we started living together my mm-hmm. um, second semester of my second year okay no first year sorry second semester of my first year So after he um,
0: proposed did he really basically move on down?
1: Yeah, okay. so he got a job so while he was in town um at Christmas to propose, he also had a job interview with Enterprise. Perfect. Um yeah, and so it worked out that he got the job with Enterprise and um and so moved down a couple weeks. Like he went back home to pack up and then moved down, you know, maybe 2 or 3 weeks later to start um start his job and so um yeah, I mean, I think the memories are really just the ability to kind of be be home and be mm-hmm. around when my nephew was born. Um, mm-hmm. That was so important to me. And I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to be there. He was born in um, June, the summer after I graduated undergrad. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So it was just really, it was really good just to be able to like be there and be around him when he was so young. And um, yeah. And then also kind of being in Baton Rouge at the same time as Anne-Marie and um, Ian so it was nice to, we never lived, like, I didn't live with them. So Ian and Anne-Marie lived together, but I lived with Steve separately. But mm-hmm. we were still there. Again, that didn't run in the same circles, but always nice to kind of have family around yeah. just in case. Um, so luckily, I would say my my time in Baton Rouge was, like, generally uneventful. Yeah, um, nothing which, wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, but, yeah, I think we... I played like in an adult soccer league through grad school mm-hmm. as well. So kind of continuing with that, I had like three or four jobs. So I had a graduate assistantship. I worked at, um, uh, oh shoot. I don't even remember what you call as a leasing agent at like an apartment complex. Okay. I worked at a like frozen yogurt shop. I worked sometimes still with like my aunts, like all literally at the same time. I just like love to be busy. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah. Relatively
0: uneventful. And then during that time is when you and Steve also got married.
1: Yeah, so we got married. um, So I graduated in May of 2014, and then we got married in June of 2014. So for anybody listening that thinks that's a good idea to graduate and job search and get married all like (laughs) in the same like month span, don't do it. Um, it was so stressful, so stressful, um, because we were planning our wedding, kind of doing it on our own um, in Louisiana, and so it just was a lot on my plate at one time, Um, and so, I mean, we got through it, everything was, like, beautiful, but yeah, we got married um, in June in Mm -hmm. South Louisiana, um, and it was quite hot yeah Um, so my my, um in-laws who are from michigan just had never really experienced a louisiana summer and so um on top of being in like suits for a wedding it was Uh it was a a toasty day for sure
0: during my stint in alabama i know what you're talking about because it got hot
1: yes yep hot and humid
0: you could cut the humidity with a knife
1: oh absolutely yes (laughs) absolutely
0: oh um And during your wedding, you told me about that you had an event called Money Dance. I had never heard of Money Dance before. I think it's the coolest thing.
1: Yeah. So I think that it's like a very South Louisiana and maybe even just Cajun thing. So there is a... um kind of a basket of, of pins. And so people come to weddings and bring cash knowing Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a money dance. And so the DJ announces that the money dance is happening. You'll go and grab like a, a pin, um, and then pin money to the dress or suit, of the bride or groom and then be able to dance with them during the song. That's so it's a cool. way to have like, yeah, it's a way to have one-on-one time with your guest and like the bride and the groom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps to kind of um, get some, some money to either go on a honeymoon with or just to kind of like start your new life together. Um, and so it's a, uh, I didn't, I don't think I realized that it was a, a Louisiana thing until I married a northerner and they were like, yeah, we don't do that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but it was a, it was something, some of like my favorite photos for my wedding are me dancing with like individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dancing with my uncle, dancing with my brother, dancing, you know, all of these things. And then like Steve's brother danced with Steve, you know, so it could, <laughs> it could be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a, a fun memory and fun pictures of, you know, kind of dollar bills, um, pinned to our dress and to, to his suit. Yeah. Well,
0: and it's so smart that like, you're so right. You don't get to see a lot of your guests at a wedding. So that is that one on one time where it's like, Hey, I came, I want to say hi to you. Here's the perfect opportunity to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a couple, i say a couple seconds, like 30 seconds to a minute, but still is just a really good time to, to, be able to talk one on one, even
0: just that one minute. Um, and you had mentioned that you graduated in May of 2014. Where I was at in May of 2014 was I graduated high school at that point.
1: Oh gosh, makes me feel, feel old that I'm like getting married as you're going through like high school graduation. <laughs> I mean, I know it's really only like a Ex- two year two or no. Six. Oh, high school. Right. I completely forgot about undergrad. Yes, no, you're good. yeah, yeah.
0: Um. Oh, so after you graduated grad school, graduate or m- got married, um, you headed off to Austin then, right?
1: Yeah. So literally the day after we got married, I packed the car and drove to Austin by myself because Steve had to go to to our house in Baton Rouge and kind of finish packing up, you know, everything that was there. So the day after. Mm-hmm. Day after we got married, we went our separate ways to to pack. But then, um, ultimately, ended up in Austin, That's cool. um, where I started uh, my a brand new job in a new city as a newlywed, mm-hmm. um, living on campus and working in housing for the first time ever. What um, led you
0: to want to do housing? Because that wasn't a lot of background from previous experiences.
1: Yeah. So I was never an RA cuz that because I was an athlete they wouldn't let athletes be RAs. Sure. Um and then because I wasn't an RA in undergrad when I went to grad school, um they only wanted people who had housing experience to be grads in in housing. And so um I just never had the opportunity and then kind of a lot of my mentors and people that I knew in student affairs had talked about Getting their start in housing, and that they think you know every good um higher ed professional should have some sort of stint in housing and mm-hmm. so when I was looking for full time jobs, I looked in housing and career services, and um housing there's just more of those oh jobs. yeah, um, and so yeah, that's kind of how i I ended up in housing that's cool, yeah,
0: um so any fun memories from your first stint in a housing career?
1: oh, it was wild. Um, So during my last year, I was in a residence director and RD for three years. And then in the fourth year was promoted to an assistant director. So overseeing um, more students, a bigger staff. Um, And so I was set to um, run a brand new building on campus. So I helped design the building. I helped um, kind of pick the student staff. I like even was able to like design my own apartment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was supposed to open um, in August, but construction, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but um, construction delays didn't allow us to move in. And so uh, I was over 450 students that they moved into hotels. So I managed 450 students over five hotels um, and staff members that lived kind of among those five hotels. Um, and also manage their parents on a daily basis, which was a challenge, um, because it was, you know, originally supposed to open in August, but they were like, October, we'll move in in October. Well, October didn't happen. They were like, January, for sure. January. Well, January came and went April, April, and then it ultimately became the whole year. Um, so I lived in a hotel for a year, um, and from the, the first semester we were at five hotels mm-hmm. um, and there was like a bus service that I managed. It was a whole, it was a whole lot. Um, but that was definitely an experience. Um, good experience in that, like, I learned a lot about um, public relations and talking to parents and managing the media and sure. logistics and a whole bunch of things that I probably would have never um, experienced otherwise, but it was super, super stressful. Um, and gladly it's an experience that I will never have to have again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's, so were the hotels just bought out by the college or university or was it still running as both a residence hall and hotel?
1: Yeah. So the, one of the the challenges was that it was both a residence hall and it had outside guests, um, because we booked it so late, Mm -hmm. um, because of just, unknown construction timelines, um, that there were still random guests that were checking in and out. And, um, so that was also interesting managing, um, sometimes the, when hotel guests and residents would interact, was, uh, sure. So, a, a, a unique challenge.
0: Yeah. That's, that is an interesting one. I give you a lot of kudos for handling that because they don't prepare you that for that in grad school, nor in any usual housing position.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, no preparation whatsoever. But we figured it out. We survived. Everybody made it through. Um. So
0: yeah. Yep. Um, so then after that, what happened after you transitioned out of that um, position?
1: So then I went to, um, the university of Texas. So, um, stayed in Austin and moved into a career services role, mm-hmm. um, there. And so I became a career coach and so was doing career coaching and teaching at UT.
0: Nice. Um, and then that's when you joined me at Texas tech, right?
1: Yeah. So, um, Steve got a promotion that took us out to Lubbock. And so, um, we're, we're on a an odd timeline for hiring. And so yeah. he started, I think in October. Um, and we had, a, we owned a house at the time, so we had to sell that house and I had to get a job. And, um, that's just not a normal time for hiring in no. the higher ed. Um, and so a position was open at Texas Tech, um, in housing. And so that is then when I joined, um, Tyler at Wallgates, Yeah.
0: And it helps that you didn't have to find a new house there or yeah. anything because housing came with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was really nice that I didn't... Those two things kind of checked off, a job and a place to live kind mm-hmm. of all in one.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you feel the same way as I do, but one of the main people I miss from Texas Tech is Miss Bonnie, who was our senior business assistant, who was like the ultimate grandma to everybody.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Miss Bonnie was the best. I mean, between Tyler and Miss Bonnie, like, tell, <laughs> tell me basically what my job was on a daily basis. Like, they... <laughs> yeah we we did a good job there
0: mm-hmm. yeah i would say that on paper you and i were the supervisors for that building but there are definitely many days i was like miss bonnie what do we do in this situation because you've been here <laughs> yes. like 15 years just in this building
1: yeah yep absolutely lots of times i'm like miss bonnie help
0: yes um and then one last thing that i remember from tech uh is water events, which I have never done besides there. Um, But I remember we had one at one of the bigger buildings on campus and like late at night, got those big texts, everybody's over there. And then after spending about three hours working on that, we all decided to go over to, um, oh, what's that local burger place? Whataburger. Whataburger at like two or three in the morning. And we all, at least I felt disgusting. I know we all were tired and people are getting sodas and hamburgers and we're just sitting there and it's like, this is our life. This is what we do.
1: Yeah, like we have weird jobs. Yeah, I remember it was like one of my first water events ever. So mm-hmm. I just like didn't know how to prepare. And it was the building right next to ours. So I heard the the sirens. Um, and it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I turned to Steve and I literally said to Steve, Oops, somebody's about to have a bad night, not realizing that it was me that was about <laughs> to have a bad night. <laughs> and so then we got the text that it was a water event. And so I go in like jeans and flip-flops and a sweatshirt mm-hmm. all things that are a terrible idea at a water event yep. so I should have gone in like a t-shirt and shorts with like rubber boots because my feet and pants just got soaked and I was sweating just mm-hmm. from working and moving so many different things and um yeah it was definitely a good like bonding experience oh yeah stuff um but yeah,
0: I owned a pair of tennis shoes that were my water event shoes just because you never wanted to wear them outside of when you were going to get them disgusting
1: Yeah, yeah I, I learned a lot of lessons that night in terms of how to prepare for a water event
0: <laughs> Yes yeah. Um. I also helped some kid take his futon outside and he left it in the bed of his truck and he's like, oh it'll dry and I'm like, I just think you should chuck this futon and be done with it but at that point, it was one in the morning we're not going to fight you on this kid
1: Yeah, like do what you got to do kid <laughs>
0: Yeah, those that was definitely like one memory I remember just you and I having, and Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: you said, everyone comes together for those.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Um, so I know after I left, you stayed one more year at Texas Tech, and then, uh, was it Steve that got a new position and was able to move you back to
1: Austin? Yeah, so um in my last year at Texas Tech, we found out that we were expecting a baby and so um we're looking just to be closer to a support system. Lubbock was um in in far west Texas and yeah. our family was closer to east Texas and Louisiana and so um just wanted to be closer to our support system and so he was able to get transferred back to the Austin area um and so with that I left tech without a job um and I was like I'll figure it out, um, and luckily, like I was able to to figure it out. But um, we moved into to a house in a neighborhood that I love, and um, you know, brought baby girl home in August and late mm-hmm. August. Um, and so, yeah, just living life here and it's in a northern um, suburb of Austin. Because, like, let's be real, nobody can like actually afford to live in Austin at no, this market. No, um, But but we love kind of like our little piece of heaven
0: out here that's awesome yeah the photos of your house look great and um what's the biggest thing you've probably learned from Bailey baby Jolie in the first five months
1: Ooh, um that I can do a lot of things when I'm really tired yeah (laughs) yeah like um I mean and we Steve and I have been a really good team of kind of dividing up the nights but Mm -hmm. I can get a lot done with just a little bit of sleep um Yeah. And she's, she's kept us on our toes. She was in the NICU for a week after she was born. And, um, but luckily everything was kind of cleared up and, and she's healthy and, um, she's at that age now of, um, kind of rolling over and babbling Mm. and, you know, the, the baby coos and the little laughter. And, um, so we're just, we're loving it.
0: How does, um, your puppy dog get along with her?
1: Dakota doesn't love when she cries and so like Dakota might be sitting on the couch next to us and Jolie starts to cry and Dakota will get up and go to a different room and she's just like not about it. I'm not here for
0: this today kid.
1: No not at all like she'll sometimes even like ask to go outside when Jolie is crying just because she's like I can't even be in this house right now. Um, (laughs) So I guess it's good in that like she's not aggressive but she's also like not super lovey which right now because the baby's so small is also probably a good thing too um and so they they coexist
0: there you go you have my you have your corner i have my corner none the two (laughs) shall meet
1: yep exactly and for now i'll take that
0: um so yeah and then now you're working the recruitment and onboarding position are you able to do that from home or do you get to go to an office
1: um so kind of both. So I started doing it from home um kind of before the baby came and then once I was able to put her in daycare um I go into the office but I have the flexibility like if she's sick and has to stay mm-hmm. home from daycare I can work from home and so um that was kind of one of the biggest pieces about this role is that the flexibility especially with a newborn or a little one and especially with covid and you know, exposure and daycare closures Mm -hmm. and all the things that I really needed that flexibility. And so, um, so I have both and that human interaction when I go into the office is so important to me. Um, but also I I do like the days where I'm able to kind of hang with her at home.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so as we're kind of getting to closing down the episode, um, I know there was a really difficult situation you went through in your life that allowed you to grow a lot and really made you into the person you are today. Um, can you kind of talk about that situation?
1: Yeah. I know there's like not ever like an ideal transition here. No, so like, no there's not. Like a, yeah. Like a, a rocky transition, but um, when I, about five years ago, um, when I was living in Austin, kind of in my first stint, um, my brother passed away in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, he was two years older than me, and so I have lived my entire life knowing him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I mean, as you can imagine, just like rocks my world and really, um, gave me perspective on things that are important in life. And I think in my early career, I, I put a lot of focus and a lot of my effort into my job and and going above and beyond and spending mm. nights and weekends trying to to do all of the things and be everything that my job needed me to be. Um, but then after he passed, I, I just had this sort of wake up that you know, if, if I were die, to die tomorrow, my, the people at my job would be sad for a little bit, but my job would be posted a week later. Yeah. Um, and that like, it's a hard reality. And like, we would like to think that that wouldn't be the case, but the reality is like the job needs to be done by somebody mm-hmm. and whether it's you or somebody else, it, it has to get done. And so it really kind of re it shifted my priorities in terms of, um, taking a look at how I was spending my time, who I was spending my time with, where was my energy going? How was my mental health? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not, you know, if work is stressful and I'm on call nights and weekends and putting in all of this time, even when I'm not on call (laughs) and taking time away from my family and the people that are important to me, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not living life. I'm not living the life that I want to live. yeah, um yeah. and so, kind of as I'm navigating my my jobs at this point and career, um it was really important to me, especially having jolie to to be around for the big moments and the small mm-hmm. moments, right and to to recognize that like what's important isn't at the office. what's mm-hmm. important is what's in my home, like what's going on with my family, how can I spend time? with them um and it also like I am a bit a big advocate for therapy I talk Mm -hmm. to people all the time about like I have been in therapy consistently since my brother died um you know and obviously there's a lot to unpack whenever you have a a sibling pass away um but also just like helps me with life and motherhood and being a good partner to Steve and navigating COVID. And um, so I kind of have been in therapy on and off. No, to be honest, on, not off. Um, been in therapy since since he passed. And um, it's really just, I don't want to say changed who I am at my core, but I think um, definitely made me focus on my priorities in life.
0: Reshaped your values.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of people, especially since the pandemic, have really been thinking about. Like, I know my grandma passing away last year, that really helped shape, like, where do I want to be? And where I wanted to be was not 16 hours away from home. I wanted to be a lot closer. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree that, like, you have to just figure out what your priorities are. And, yeah, the job is going to... Be there whether you're there or not. So take time into what you want to do and what you love doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It also helps me create boundaries for myself yeah. whenever I'm taking on new things, whether it be a new job or a new project or whatever it is that I I can say like, you know what, like I'm if I'm not on call, then my phone is at night on silent. Yep. Um, might not have been what maybe some supervisors would have loved but like at the same time it wasn't in my job mm-hmm. if I wasn't on call um and so i just was able to kind of figure out what's a priority for me yeah,
0: yeah. um so as we're bringing to a close there's a question that i ask all of my guests and stuff but before i do i'm just going to kind of go through a lot of what we talked about today so from growing up in louisiana the second oldest of four playing soccer Um, Being a part of your youth group, being volleyball manager, moving away to Indiana, getting to be a student ambassador, captain of the soccer team, moving back to Louisiana, getting married, moving, moving again, like all of the different things um, to having your baby now. When you think about what the theme of your life is or what you hope my guests would get out of the theme of your life, what would you like to share to them?
1: Hmm. I think for me is home, two things. Um, Home is not a a building to me. Um, It's not the structure that I like live in. Home to me is people. Um, And so I feel at home in Indiana when I'm back at my undergrad. Like I feel at home, obviously like here in Austin, I feel at home in Louisiana. I feel at home where, where my people are, um, and kind of along those same lines, like, I think it's so important to love your people. Well, Mm -hmm, um, I think because of the loss of my brother that, um, I have worked harder to love the people in my life better, um, and to, to be there for them, um, and to show up when it matters, Mm -hmm. um, and to show up even, on the days that it doesn't particularly matter just to check in. Um, And so those are kind of my two takeaways that home is where my people are and to love my people well.
0: I love that, that's awesome. Well, Marie-Louise, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so happy we got to reconnect and got to learn so much more about you.
1: Yeah, me too, this is fun.
0: Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: And with that, that is another episode of Life Story. If you enjoyed it, please give a like and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, I'm Tyler Honig. Make it a great day.